Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. And now, here's your host, Claire Kumar, NAPO member since 2010. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of NAPO's podcast, Standout, the podcast for organizers and productivity professionals who want to better their business. As always, I'm Claire Kumar, thrilled to be your host and excited about today's episode because we're talking about something very, very important. We're talking about self-care and self-care as a key to success. You know, we talk about bettering our business and sometimes that does mean bettering ourselves. And that's what we're going to dive into today. We're going to explore about how slowing down can actually give our performance a boost. So I had my own journey into realization about this whole concept about nine years ago. I went to a combat class. I worked out really, really hard. The next day I woke up and there was something not quite right. I had I was in my bathroom and my right hand touched the marble and it was hot, not cold. My left hand touched the marble and it was cold. And all of a sudden, something I knew was was off. Well, it wasn't obvious right away, but after months, I learned I had a rather serious autoimmune disease. And so for the next nine years, I've been digging into ways to live better, ways to take care of myself, ways to tune in before I lean in, all that stuff I talk about. And I know that our guest, who I'm very excited to have here with us today, has had her own journey into the realization that productivity and well-being go hand in hand. You can't have productivity, the best performance, without well-being. And so I am very excited to have with us today Katie McDonald. She had her own journey with this. And what I'm really excited about it is hear that, but let me give you a little bit of a background about Katie. And let me tell you first though, that I could tell the very first time we spoke, we had a bit of a pre-interview, which I'm, I really like to do. And within a few sentences, I knew she was going to be such a gem for the show. She synthesizes science into really compelling sound bites that will inspire you. So you're in for a treat, but let me tell you a bit more about Katie. After early success as a high-performing corporate executive, followed by the intense responsibilities of motherhood, chronic self-neglect led Katie to the depths of overwhelm, of depression, and ultimately illness. She has since created a holistic coaching approach for executives. She has curated proven practices through decades of self-study, speaking, and concierge coaching agreements. I want to know more about that for sure. With intentionality and mindfulness, peace of mind and productivity actually go hand in hand. Featured in the Huffington Post, Dwell, Katie includes Brown University Center for Entrepreneurship, Eileen Fisher, and Facebook as some of her many clients. Very warm welcome to you, Katie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so can you get, just share a little bit about your journey from high-performing executive to now a coach for executives to help them understand the benefit of integrating well-being with their productivity? 
Well, I really had to learn the hard way. There were so many signs that my addiction to busyness was going to get me in trouble. Symptom after symptom, they were just kind of gnats just swatting around me. And it was a distraction to a really productive life. I always chose getting things done. And in doing so, I came undone. I worked for Time Magazine, selling advertising in 45 national publications. And I also sold my soul in the process. I lost my way and I lost my health and well-being and peace of mind. And it took that. It took the level of extreme for me to be, you know, in such a state of anxiety, I had to leave such a state of depression. I had to leave work. My body forced me because I couldn't do it on my own. I had to be pushed to the edge. And then I became a mom and thought, you know, I had learned my lesson, but then I just recreated that same drive for perfectionism and got even sicker, ulcerative colitis, pneumonia, shingles, asthma. I just couldn't breathe in a life that was suffocating me. So I was forced again to shut it all down and to go inward and to understand finally that in order for me to be productive, I didn't have to abandon myself. In fact, I learned that I could, I had to take care of myself in order to be productive. They're always in a battle, a competition. And I realized, oh, wait a minute, they actually can coexist. What a journey and a monumental load of challenges that you face. But there's one thing I want to dig in and just get your perspective on, because I've been talking to busy employees and entrepreneurs alike recently, and this addiction to busy that you talk about, what do you think is going on in our culture, which compels us to work so much, we enter this state of self-neglect? Do you have thoughts on that? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I'll pick a few. Our culture values getting things done above all else. I mean, even above doing the right things, being effective and efficient in, and really intentional, those are less important than actually just the act of busyness. We have a perception in our culture that busyness means importance. And so I scrambled and I wanted to look busy and I wanted to be busy because in the quiet, I felt at the very core I wasn't enough, that the only way that I earned a place in the world and definitely in the business world, but in life in general, was through my doing, through my busyness. And somehow that made me okay. Somehow that made me legitimate. You know, I read a study and I, sorry, I forget where it came from, but they were saying that there's a majority of people who would be afraid to really be with their own thoughts and have nothing to do this sort of, (laughs) right. Right. And so, you know, you you know, that's, that's it. We're sort of, we're not used to stopping and slowing down. We're used to being pulled forward and pulled forward. So when we're face to face with it, it can be a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, it's terrifying. The quiet is terrifying. In fact, there's a lyric from the artist Pink who says the quiet scares me because it screams the truth. My worst, right. My worst fear was being in my own company because whenever, you know, right as my head would hit the pillow, all the demons came out, all the stories that said I hadn't done enough. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Oh, could, how did you hold, you know, how did you handle that? I mean, the shame would bathe me and as I would try to fall asleep. So add insomnia to the list because I really was terrified that if I slowed down, I would see myself and I wouldn't like what I saw. But if I was busy, then I could tell myself, it was like a bomb. I could tell myself, 
soothe myself that I was okay, that I had done enough. And no matter what, I was busy and therefore important. Ah, that's so interesting. The equation of busyness and importance and therefore valuable. Yes, right. Yeah. That, yeah. And that is ingrained in our culture. And my clients are high achievers, right? They are very accomplished. They intimidate all the rest of us looking on the outside, thinking they're in this, like, I have it all together club that doesn't exist, by the way. And one of the first homework assignments I give them is to actually sit and have a cup of tea. From the moment they boil the water to the last sip, I want them to be in silence. And, you know, these are people that are really ready for a transformation. You don't get to me unless you are ready to really dramatically change your life. And yet this homework assignment, like they blow it off. Like the dog ate my homework kind of avoidance. Like, Have you had your cup of tea yet? Have you had it yet? Like what's up? <laughs> yeah. the, the level of resistance to this one is, it's actually funny at this point. Um, it's amusing, but it really speaks to how desperately terrified we are to slow down enough and be in our own presence. So when somebody has made the effort to have that cup of tea, does that confirm they're actually ready and willing to take this journey with you? You know, they're already in. Right? When somebody yeah. starts with me, I'm locked and loaded. They are in. So there's no way out because we, we will bail on ourselves. I contractually have it so that you're mine for the next six months. We're in this together because it's, you know, change is uncomfortable. If it were easy, we would do it. If it were easy, we wouldn't need help a lot of times to bring about these massive changes. But the real work that I do in the concierge coaching is actually reacquainting ourselves with ourselves. Maybe sometimes for the first time, it's not reacquaintance. It's actually getting to know ourselves, studying ourselves. We peruse social media with a deep fascination for strangers' lives, and yet we barely glance at our own. We need to change that. We need to repair the relationship we have with ourselves. And it starts with being curious. It starts with being with ourselves. That's amazing. So it starts with a cup of tea. Tell me some of the other exercises or practices you have. Where do you go from there, from the cup of tea into this journey of self-awareness in essence? Yeah, there's so many places I can go and it really, I meet people where they are and then I hold them accountable to where they want to go. But one of my favorite tools is people inventory, right? We tend to collect people and, you know, good girls and boys can't be good to themselves too. And that's what I have to dismantle the Pavlovian response to any question, the answer being yes. You see, we're really good at saying yes. And a lot of people often say, I'm so bad at saying no. It's a boundary issue, right? Yeah, 100%. But the fact is they're great at saying no. It's just to themselves over and over again. So, you know, when we're asked to be on that board and boy, our ego loves that and it's legitimate to serve in that way, but we have no business saying yes, unless we can first say, Hey, have I taken care of, have I covered the basics? Am I eating fresh food? Am I, you know, actually having meals? Am I sitting down for those meals? Am I getting the sleep I need? Am I moving my body? Am I resting? Do I have a mindfulness practice? Like those things, those are basics. And if those things aren't happening, the answer to anything outside of ourselves needs to be no. 
Yeah, I just was writing some material for a group coaching around productivity and well-being that I'm doing. And it was a decision tree before you take something on. And because because you're right, it's easier to say yes and think we can figure it out later. And we don't know necessarily, sometimes we don't know what we need. So that's what I think you're getting at with understanding those basics and then quantifying that or turning that into actually concrete time, energy, attention investments so that then you can decide, do you have room to take something else on or not? Or maybe should you be saying no? And then there's the challenge and maybe do you coach around this too? How do you say no and have the world oh, not yeah. fall apart around you? <laughs> like, because you imagine the worst, right? You imagine, imagine this monologue of what's going to come into you or the worst consequences, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, you said something that was absolutely brilliant and it's, what do I need? We don't ask ourselves that question. We ask, what do I need to do? Right. That one we got down. What do I need to do for so-and-so and, or my job or whatever else, but what do I need? Well, that's not a question that we're asking ourselves. And how could we possibly know if we don't ask that question and then stay still long enough to wait for the answer? If our filter for what we say yes to is our capacity, what our ability is, we're screwed. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because you're a high achiever. There's no way you would be here if you don't know how to get things done, right? But here's the thing. We have to understand that we can't solely base our decisions on what we are capable of doing because we're so highly capable. It becomes weaponized against ourselves. So we need other filters, we need to parent ourselves into boundaries. And one of the ways we do it is when somebody says, hey, you know, will you do blah, blah, blah? We giggle with ourselves and go like, okay, I know what my path, like I'm already salivating, the bell is ringing, right? I already am ready to jump in because I love being needed, right? So we actually stop and say, thank you so much for thinking of me. Let me get back to you. That's the first step because we've got to create space for us to connect with the higher self, the more elevated version that knows that we need to take care of ourselves first. And then from that place of bounty and true energy, not borrowed, exhausted, frenzy energy, but true energy can we serve. That's exactly right. Love it. You know, when I'm talking, I was giving a leadership workshop last week, and my favorite question for a leader to ask their team is, what do you need to succeed? Hey, it's the same question you've got to ask yourself. And we talked about this a little bit, I think, in an earlier podcast that I just want to hearken back to because I think it's relevant now. It was with Denise Jacobs, and we were talking about silencing the inner critic and, you know, being able to quieten those voices. But this is about actually amplifying the voice and giving space to the voice that you're not hearing from. And, you know, dancing with that discomfort, being able to be okay with it. But also, and this is where I think your knowledge and self-study is going to be really an asset in the conversation is figuring out what those things are that you actually might need but not be aware of. You've been doing things in a certain way for so long, not sleeping well, not eating well, not exercising well, identifying for the individual what are those basics that need to find a place in your life. And then, of course, you know, figuring out how to carve out time and stay true to those and play 
what I call graceful defense, but yeah, I like that. Right. <laughs> it's it's like, yeah, yeah. We don't need to, we don't want to be warriors with ourselves. We want to be kind and loving to ourselves to get to the place where we can sustain our energy and keep serving our clients out there. So with service professionals, organizing and productivity consultants, I know, for example, I, I went from the corporate world where I didn't see successful work-life integration to a large extent. And I thought, okay, I'm going to start my business. I'll have full autonomy. And like you, I found that it was a lot to juggle with kids. I actually lost my voice when they were really small because I was over animating their experience. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like you can, you can do too much in any role until you come to this knowledge and self-awareness. So in that journey, tell me a little bit about how you work with clients to figure out what are the things that they need to make sure they make time for? Yeah. So, I mean, they're all basics. We all know that, you know, we're not tending to a lot of times, but I actually have a a circle, a wheel, if you will, spokes of the areas that we really need to look at, which is, you know, our social life, our financial life, sleep, nutrition, community, family, our home environments. Like, I mean, all of this, see, people in this field, like we create order, right? We create order out of chaos for all of our clients. And yet we're often so busy in solving their challenges that we we really neglect the chaos within ourselves or the tendency for perfectionism, right? Because we want a sense of mastery and control. We wouldn't be in this field if we weren't drawn to that. <laughs> it's a fact. And like, we want to kind of organize our world. And I always was drawn to organizing and And all of this because I needed to make sure I wanted to get more things done. So I had to figure out how. And the more I could learn good time management, I could cram more in. It wasn't good life management, but it was good time management. So, you know, the thing is, we really have to start with curiosity about ourselves. And sometimes it takes illness to provoke it. Sometimes it's a curiosity about what is my potential? I mean, really, let's say you're rocking it, but you could level up a little bit. What would that look like? So we look at all of our habits. A good way to start is to look at our morning routine. If you think you don't have one, you do. You're just not conscious of it. And many of our habits have been entrenched since high school. So it's time we dust it off. And that's what I'm doing with my clients is I'm going in there. I'm digging around. It's an excavation. But we do it without judgment. See, we have to change the way we change. We tend to change by bullying ourselves. We tend to change by exposing everything that's wrong and then vowing like with self-disgust, we're going to overcome it. And this is a curiosity, a gentleness to use your word and compassionate curiosity about, hey, you know what? I wonder if I normally go to bed at 1130, what happens for the next two weeks? I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock and then I'm going to see what happens. What are my energy levels like? What's my food like? We start looking and studying ourselves and we can't change what we're not tracking. So in a journal, in a planner, taking some notes and being like, okay, I like two week windows. The first week we're totally rocking it. We get it. We're like on the honeymoon high of a new habit. Week two, what? I totally forgot. All right, you know, you veer, you skid, you know, all of that. That's great. Is that because the weekend learn. showed up and just derailed us? Or what 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 do you yeah, think happened? That's a good. I think we just like we rely on willpower. Mm. And the fact is willpower is a fickle lover. We can't count on it <laughs> to be there for us, to romance us. Right? That needs to be on a t-shirt. Willpower <laughs> is a fickle lover. <laughs> yeah, we, ha- we need a plan, not motivation. Motivation will fade, but a plan that we adhere to that our higher self said, hey, you know what? For the next two weeks, 
we're going to go to bed at 10 o'clock. And then afterwards, see, we have to, we have to tell ourselves there's a way out after this two weeks, then we can totally go to bed whenever we want, but just, we're just going to experiment for this next two weeks. So you're dealing with the plan rebel, the person who feels like planning is constrictive and will suffocate them. And I'm the boss of me, even though, so getting in touch with the higher self, I like, I like this language because that's the calm grounded non-fight flight freeze person that's the person who's really making those wise thoughtful caring decisions from a place of being full of energy and rest and all of those good things right when we make the frazzled decisions we are not in that place and so i like this connection to the higher self and then this sense of autonomy which we must preserve through this while we're questing for mastery we have to hold on to autonomy and so i like that i think that's a powerful way to address that need for choice that especially i think entrepreneurs have because Mm -hmm. we're really used to calling the shots yeah i don't like if you tell me to do something i'm gonna act out i'm gonna go toddler i'm just gonna do it and it's like but a plan a strategy to say hey you know because I remind my clients, like, I'm good at what I do. I know that I'm really good and I get phenomenal results. But the fact is you are the expert on you. I've got a big toolkit and my job is to figure out what tool when, right? And then their job is for two weeks to put it into practice. And, you know, they reach out to me in between. So it's not like I'm pushing them off the cliff and, you know, good luck. It's I'm right, you know, I'm right there all along, but, but, you know, we've fallen asleep we have fallen asleep and we need to wake up this genuine curiosity about what is our potential? Not because there's something wrong with us, but because we're genuinely fascinated about who we could become when we become intentional instead of reactive. Oh my gosh, it's a totally different way of navigating the world. And most of us are in reactive, good girl, good boy, people pleasing. And you know what? We end up hating ourselves in the process. And I think we also end up in the erosion, a continuous sort of, you're either spiraling up or spiraling down slowly, right? And, and you want to change the trajectory. And this is an invitation to change the momentum upward. And one of the things that I keep talking about with clients, almost everyone, is revenge bedtime procrastination. Have you heard heard the term? No. Did you make that up? No, no. It actually evolved in Chinese language, actually, and when was translated, which is why it's a bit kind of a kind of a funny sounding thing in English. Revenge bedtime procrastination. This act of going to bed and feeling like you're going to bed so late because you've pushed your bedtime later doing one more thing, doing one more thing. And now you're scrolling on your phone because I deserve some me time, yo. And they're reclaiming the time. So it's procrastinating on bedtime, which they know, their higher self knows is the good thing to offer that soul and spirit. But it's like, but I just need some fun and I'm going to claim it at 1230 to one in the morning. And so what if I have to be up with the kids at 730, right? How much fun is that though, right? Come 730, right? So we have to, we have to consult our future self. So if it's, if it's 11 o'clock at night, we have to check in. So if it's Thursday night, 11 o'clock, and we're Netflix binging, and all of a sudden, it's like, if we just paused for just a moment, and we said, hey, Friday morning, me, how you doing, right? If we just checked in with her or him for just a moment, we would make a different choice. We would show respect for our future self, because the future self, frankly, is the one that has all the consequences for whatever choice we make. 
that second serving of dinner, it's like, you know, if we just paused for a moment, we wouldn't make that choice because we don't want to feel the way we know we're going to feel. We're going to feel bloated and we're going to feel regretful. Our jeans are going to be tight. We're going to be like, really? But jeans? Are you asleep. wearing jeans? I'm in full <laughs> joggers mode now. Full, full on joggers, man. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, exactly. I call it paying yourself forward. Yes, so when, you, when you're in that one. moment, that cause for pause, that, that how many times do you think we really actually need to pause in the day that we're not? Oh my gosh. A lot, I mean, right? Really, a lot, a lot. I mean, I think that is the human condition. I think we are called to come home, to come home to ourselves all day long. We're pulled outward. But if we could just find this way to keep coming home to ourselves, we're going to make better choices. We're going to make respectful choices. And you know, if we're, we've been playing with the pause reference, but think of a pause button, it's two lines. So I think of that first line as my current self, the one that's like, I want that cookie. I'm going to have that cookie. Don't you dare take that cookie away from me. And the other line being the future self that's tomorrow morning going like, oh my God, why'd you have that cookie? I feel, not that you ever can ever eat cookies, but you know what I mean? Like we're making choices as if they have no consequences. And the fact is they do. So well, they have we an immediate have a bigger plan. Yeah. I want to dive into the cookie yeah. for just yeah. a second, because I'm going to take you back to January here in Toronto, where it was extremely gray for about three weeks. We're in the darkest of the dark. I would say now I've refined it to not the dark half that gets me, it's the dark third. So I know I, and so we're in this really the darkest period of the year and my whole mojo really flattened down. I don't have my swimming pool to get off my morning ritual the way I like to. I since discovered I can work out on my balcony in minus oh. seven in the sun oh. and I can oh. actually be outside working out. And there's an, if the sun is coming and the wind's not from this out, I'm good. But I didn't have a, I didn't have a go-to replacement for this morning ritual. So I found myself in January, I had replaced the sun and the serotonin that comes from the sun with don't laugh because I know and my, my, am my future self looking back on January going, oh, oh, oh shortbread. So you can't, you know, I thought I, you were going to say chocolate, sourdough, shortbread, all of us. And there is, you know, there is the power of our neurotransmitters are really powerful and serotonin can be in food. And so actually I've given myself permission until my pool reopens to relax and be kind to myself and just, I can trust myself that I'm going to reclaim my morning ritual when I get to it but it's been hard. And so that decision, what I wanted to come to is what you said, there's two lines. And in that decision, it is giving you something now to make that choice. It is also giving you something later and you have to consider both. Yeah. And it, it requires a slowing down to do that because otherwise we won't like, it is not our nature to slow down. We think, you know, oh, I've got so much to do. I'm going to speed up. And it's like, as if that's the legitimate approach to, you know, to actually tackling too much. It's like, yeah, that's not good. All it's going to be is a frenzied mess. So what I love about your story, your January story is you've understood there's a season, right? And this is like, what do I need? right? You're right in that moment. So I actually have a filing system that's just every month I have a file. And so as I switch into the next month, I look through, I've got all of that. And it just, 
in there, I also put in notes. So if I have a season, so for me, spring is a little tricky. I love it, but I think I've got a little seasonal affect stuff going on and I can start gravitating towards sugar and making some choices that are really not good for me. And I'm now aware of it. And I actually write it out and put it in that April file. Like, hey, this is your season. And I have a whole toolkit and a whole strategy. I just pivot into that season and I know what it's gonna take. And to that, for women in particular, we can have seasons within a month too, where hormonally, right? We're, we're like, yep. I'm like, why am I eating all the chocolate? Oh, yeah. I know now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you're yeah. right. It's this noticing and weather and sunshine and our relationship to that is one of the powerful, it's a powerful influence that we need to understand if we're going to be able to dance with it properly. Right. And it's really important that we, yeah, we get context, right? I'm always asking my clients, what's the context and consideration? It's like, okay, well, you're in your season. This is a season where it's really challenging for you. So it's important that our self-care routine shifts to honor where you are, to honor what you need in that season. And, you know, I think the greatest suffering comes from lack of decisions. So next year, next January, we simply say, okay, January protocol right? Right. It's the January protocol. And then it's not, oh, but I should, or I could, or we don't beat ourselves up, like make a choice, take a stand, put a flag in it and be like, this is my January protocol. My January protocol was to be somewhere South. So my protocols, (laughs) I mean, we've all like, and that's maybe an important thing to note is sometimes the situations we find ourselves in upend our protocols. And that's where resilience and, you know, some of the practices and some of the the things that we've gone to before to adjust in a certain way we can draw on. I don't think anything's been in recent time upended as much as it has now. And so every one of us has been on a journey of discovery to figure out how we put these pieces back together. And this tuning in piece, this tuning into the higher self and looking at what you need, plus all of the learning that you've been through was going to be a huge gift to help people hone in more quickly on just what it is that they really want to invite into their lives now and maybe what they want to let go of a little bit too. Well, I I love that. It's a very hopeful perspective. And I do see a lot of people becoming introspective. I see a lot of people numbing themselves more than ever, right? And that's the binging, the alcohol, the shopping, you know, the sugar, you know, there's this this current of like, I've just got to shut it all down, right? And that's part of what we talked about earlier. So this is, I mean, if we're going to endure a challenge as we have, it's like I, from the start of when COVID first started, was like, okay, who do I want to be on the other side? I mean, I wrote it out with excruciating clarity. This is who I'm going to be on the other side. I didn't know if it was going to be a month. I didn't know if it was going to be six months. I certainly didn't anticipate a year. And I walked my clients through that whole process. Who do you want to be? Decide now and then say, what actions do I need to take in order to be that evolved version of me? And the fact is we will gravitate towards that. I did the same thing with a client who's struggling. It is a particularly busy season for this person. And it comes around every year. I'm like, who do you want to be? And what are we aiming for? And can you describe that? I'm really excited to see if he's actually done it because it's not easy. But once you've done it, you know where you're aiming. You've got to know what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise your life will be a reactivity. Like it will be nothing but a reaction to everybody else's action. And like that should piss you off. 
right? Like get <laughs> mad about that because you're either leading a life that you've crafted or you're reacting to somebody else's version of the life that they want for you. And you know, that doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me. So that's part of that authorship. You know, we are here for a singular purpose. And I really do believe our purpose in life. I've spent hours on the therapy couch and I've married a psychiatrist. So I am speaking from experience. The bottom line is we are compelled and I think obligated to study ourselves, to be the most evolved version of ourselves, whatever that is, right? Because then we are contributing to a world that desperately needs us and we're doing it with our unique gifts. So we could half-ass it, right? We could just like not be more, we could be more curious about anybody else, anything else, all the, you know, the TV shows that we watch. And trust me, I'm not expecting this life of purity and no, like, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we're not curious enough about our own lives. We're not curious about how far can I take this? What am I really capable of in this beautiful kind of intentional life that can enhance a life in a world that really needs us at our best? I love that. You know, when when we think about spending time on ourselves, there's maybe a fear of being self-involved, but it's really only the only path to being self-evolved. <laughs> so yes, we, like you know, we change a, a letter yeah. and oh, yeah. now we're okay with it. So yeah. we have to be okay with spending time on ourselves, which feels a little bit, is that arrogant? Is it overconfident? Are you, you know, what, oh, what are you? But yeah. It's critical. It's a critical piece. It's a critical piece. The fact is an unexamined life, right? Who said this is not worth living, but unexamined people are wreaking havoc all over the place. So I don't think it's like, isn't it nice? And let's just sprinkle rose petals and study our, you know, contemplate our belly button. It's an obligation. It's a birthright. Self-care is a birthright. Self-awareness is a birthright. It's also a responsibility because when we are not self-reflective, we are really acting unconsciously and creating suffering for ourselves and everyone else. That's powerful to really just say, you know, you have an obligation. Do, do people feel that as a weight? Then is it like, wait a minute, I'm stepping into something heavier than I anticipated. Well, it's, it's a weight, but it's a wake up call. <laughs> right. So I don't know. I think it's a bigger burden to be obtuse. I think it's a bigger burden to neglect ourselves, right? Well, it might feel lighter. It might feel lighter, but we're fooling ourselves because the consequences are the weight. And it's it's a lack of consciousness, I think. You're right. And and, and you yeah. all of a sudden are sinking, but it's an in increments. And here's what you can do about it. Is you can carry the burden of this responsibility and choose to be curious, which lightens the burden because you don't have to solve it all tomorrow. And one, it's not a half an hour conversation and this is fixed. This is, this is a learning it's discovery. Fun. It's so fascinating. Like if you're not fascinating to yourself, then that's on you. Like, you know, you need to make yourself fascinating. If you're not, if you don't want to keep your own company, then that's something you need to look at. And how fun is it to express yourself? I mean, you're here I to so, who you are, you know? I hope so. It made me think just for a moment of people who are struggling with depression or who can't necessarily see themselves in that way now. And so I invite a slow awakening to that and find something, you know, I love when I'm starting to coach with somebody too. I love finding something to celebrate right off the top. Mm -hmm. Like I'm starting some group coaching this week and we're going to start with a conversation that says, tell me one thing you're fantastic at. 
Like give me a superpower. And yeah. so, yeah, jamming into that and bouncing off those things, which we know we have to offer and cycling and spiraling up from there is gorgeous. Well, I was deeply depressed. I mean, really, because I had this realization like, oh my God, I will never get it all done. Like, by the way, we'll never get it all done. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, all of a sudden this waking just of, I will never ever, like the to-do list just gets longer and longer, no matter how hard I work, there's no end to this. And that's when I plummeted. I circled the drain. I was deeply, deeply depressed. Well, and this is where I find clients struggle because especially the high achievers, good girls and good boys, the people who are saying yes, the more they do, the more they get asked to do. And they're burying themselves. I know, I know two people right now, 16 hour days, 18 hour days chronically. I'm like, this is unsustainable. We need to right. find, we need to find some courage. So there's some bravery in here. There's bravery first to look at yourself and then bravery to express it and sort of rebel against the culture that's inviting this, mm -hmm. which is really, really hard to do. It's well, really here's the do. fun part because we're martyrs, aren't we? Like we love to be needed. We love to rescue. We're putting fires out right and left. We're lighting fires even faster <laughs> for our own self-neglect, but we're out there just doing it all. And the thing is the superhero cape starts strangling us, right? We need to just untie it. We need to, you know, just exhale and we need to send it to the cleaners. We just like, you know, it, I would encourage you to first wrap it around your own shoulders just to feel, feel like, you know, we're the knight in shining armor we've been waiting for. We're the ones that need to rescue ourselves and we're not doing that. And the way that we get around the guilt, I mean, everybody, when I start talking to like everyone feels guilt. And my answer to that is lean into the guilt. The guilt is an indication that you are finally moving the needle away from overgiving, over-functioning for everybody else and underperforming for yourself. And the way we get around it is when we step into that power, when we say no, when we have to say no, because it's time for us to say yes to ourselves, what we're doing is breaking the cycle. We're breaking and dismantling the story of self-destruction. And we're giving and empowering everybody else to say the same, to say no when they want to say no. And to understand that not only are they going to survive that, they're actually going to grow in strength and confidence. People aren't going to like it. You've taught them how to treat you. So if you are a doormat, they're not going to want you to stand up. They, you know, they're used to wiping their boots. And so you're going to piss people off. But the fact is, you're also going to set a lot of people free, starting with yourself. I'm pausing because that was so powerful, right? <laughs> you're, going to, you're setting yourself yeah. free and others. So, so if you can reframe it to an act of service and role it modeling, is. this is what I, I talk about, sacrifice syndrome and leaders sacrificing themselves and getting their team to take time off and so on, but forgetting. So if you're out there as an entrepreneur, you can role model this for your clients. You've got to set boundaries on how you want them to treat you. You can do this as a parent in your family. You can do this with, like, you have this duty to honor yourself. And to set everyone else free at the same time, right? Permission granted, by the way. Abracadabra, Kalamazoo, bibbidi-bobbidi-bibbidi-boo, like, poof, right? Permission granted to take care of yourself. There we go. We've solved it. Like, don't question it again. <laughs> the only thing yeah. is what now? What's one step? What tiny little thing? Maybe it's that cup of tea, right? It's one thing that you can do 
consistently every day, a tiny little habit that you do every day. And then we can add another tiny little, but really like, let's just stop this story that self-neglect, that martyrdom is okay and legitimate. It's not, it's so last century. What it is right now is us showing up and saying, I'm going to rescue myself first. And then, you know, then I am going to have the resources, internal, external, to be able to be of service. Yeah. So the last thing your superhero needs to do is save yourself, and then you're going to send it to the cleaners. On that note, (laughs) we're going to end, we're going to end this interview on that note. But before we go, can you please just let people know where they might find a little bit about you and what you do? So please go to my website, benourished.com. It's the letter B. N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-D, because we're really good at being human doings, but we need to learn the human being part. So there you'll find articles. I would encourage you to sign up for my newsletter and also connect via social media on LinkedIn and be nourished. Awesome. Thanks so much for being with us, with me today. And, and for all the listeners out there know, didn't I tell you she spoke in sound bites, right? There were so many I jotted down while we were speaking. And I hope you will carry this message of no longer being in a place of self-neglect, that it's your duty, your honor to your spirit and your soul to take care of yourself. And in that way, you can continue to give your best to the world. So thanks for tuning in for this episode of NAPO Standout. I urge you to leave a review. It's the first time I remember to say leave a review, write <laughs> some comments, let us know how we're doing here and bringing you interesting guests and content that you are embedding into the way you approach your life and business. I'd love to hear from you and definitely tune into our next episode of course you can find all the episodes at napopodcast.com and find them on all the players everywhere i look forward to joining you again soon until then be safe be kind to yourself and enjoy your journey that's all for today's episode of standout brought to you by napo the national association of productivity and organizing professionals be sure to visit napo.net To join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.